0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to freely gather here and worship you. We thank you this day especially for the mothers that you have given us. God, as we continue in this time of worship, speak into our hearts and minds and lives that which you have for us this day and each day. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in our third week of uh, looking at various spiritual disciplines. We're taking six weeks to look at six of the disciplines up until June 1st. Again, these spiritual disciplines are these biblical tools, these uh, habits that can help us in focusing on God and building our relationship with God. These practices or tools or disciplines should be things that we practice intentionally so that they become habit and they become a part of our lives. Having already looked at prayer and looked at the scripture, we come today to solitude. It's an interesting one for me. Uh, Of all the disciplines that we will talk about in these six weeks, it is the one that I've probably personally had the most interesting journey with. It is certainly one that has had a tremendous impact on my life. It started for me in college. It was the fall semester of my sophomore year and we had to take a class on the spiritual life. You see our school understood something important that some seminaries and some Christian schools understand and some are continuing to learn that our spiritual life as Christ followers, as leaders, as pastors, as human beings is of utmost importance to us. And so at the beginning of this class called Foundations of the Spiritual Life, the professor, Dr. Chris Hall, a brilliant thinker, uh, uh, brilliant on the disciplines, uh, a great historian on the church fathers, he said to us we were gonna learn about these disciplines and these practices, we were going to learn about building our spiritual life. And he said, so the first assignment was simple, but it was an ass- a, uh, it's a semester-long assignment. You're to pick one of these 12 disciplines that are listed from this book, and you are to choose one of them, and you're to practice it at least once a week for the whole semester. And then half your final exam score is going to be uh, writing on this experience, the ups and the downs and what you experienced throughout this whole semester. Now, college kids instantly think, oh, easy points, right? And truth be told, probably most of my classmates may not have exactly practiced it every week. It might have been the last two or three weeks before the final. Of course, Dr. Hall knew by what you wrote. And it's interesting because he said to do this, and so I was determined. I was excited about being in this environment. I was excited about growing in my relationship with Jesus. I was determined to practice one of these, and perhaps even more than once a week. But he went on he said, I want you to pick one, perhaps one that you're not used to, one that you're not good at, one that might be a challenge for you. And I thought to myself, well, I did come here to be challenged. I do want to grow. And so maybe I shouldn't take the easy way. I'm going to go ahead and practice one of the difficult ones. This in the list left me with two choices, solitude and fasting. (laughs) I was a college kid. There was no way it was going to be fasting. Okay? Not my spiritual gift. And so, I thought, all right, I will embrace this idea of solitude. And so, I journeyed that semester to try this practice of solitude, and I'll be honest, it was much more difficult than I thought it would be. Sure, it was difficult because I'm an extrovert, and I know you're still getting over the shock of that. But, it was difficult because it just took me so long to find those spaces, setting out those intentional times of silence. And of course even when I got into those intentional times and spaces of silence to focus, to not let my mind wander was even a greater challenge. My mind goes hundred miles an hour. I, when I go to bed at night it is a process for me. My brain doesn't just shut off. And so it was a bit of a challenge for me. It was a deep challenge for me in fact. It felt like it took me just as long to stop thinking and to get quiet. In fact, longer than I even had to practice the solitude. And yet there was something enriching about it. There was something beautiful about it. And I kept fighting through it. You see, when I talk about this notion of these disciplines being intentional practices that we work at, that hopefully they become habits, they become a part of our lives. This is one for me where this has perhaps been the most true. I had to work at it, and I had to work at it hard. It was not natural for me to be quiet. Again, it's a good thing you're sitting down. (laughs) It took work. It took effort. Some of you I'm talking about this are like, I do that all day long. Solitude is the absence of noise. It is embracing silence and the truth is we have a lot of noise in our lives and the noise is not just found in sound waves it's not just found in words and music the noise is found in distractions in stress in work in busyness we are surrounded by constant noise the noise is found in technology there's noise all around us and truth be told whether introvert or extrovert i think we struggle with solitude Solitude means intentionally embracing silence, making that effort to find and create time and space for silence. That's hard. But it allows us to listen to God. This is the point. To have this silence allows us to stop and to simply listen to God. If we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is not possible to have a relationship with anyone without spending time together, without spending time listening. And so that's what we do. And truth be told, the devil loves noise. Noise prevents us from hearing God. We, Got to remember, you see, the Holy Spirit is one who whispers. Contrary to perhaps some belief, God is not shouting at us. And to hear the whisper, we've got to have the silence. And again, that silence isn't just about noise. It's all those other things in our head. The truth is, I think we have a fear of being alone. Introvert and extrovert. We have a fear of being alone. We have a fear of loneliness. And so noise becomes our substitute. And every generation probably has its different form of noise. But it's hard to listen in the midst of noise. Have you ever tried to sit down and pay attention to something someone was saying to you when you were... Worried or stressed or distracted about something else, it's hard. It's hard to listen in the midst of noise. And I think it's funny because that solitude, this was not intentional, I promise, falls on Mother's Day because this is one of the greatest gifts you could give to a mother, by the way, is solitude in silence. We have this strange noise in our house. It's inconsistent, but it's still. Around a lot, it kind of goes like this, mom, 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 mom. I don't know if you've ever heard that. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you see, silence and solitude are a gift to us. Solitude is impossible without silence. It's impossible silence. But silence is hard. If it's not just hard, for us to find, it's hard for us to maintain. And for me, this journey was so difficult because it was so counter to who I am. It was so counter to my personality, to my human nature. But slowly and surely, it worked. Slowly, over time, as I forced myself, as I was intentional, as I was disciplined that semester and beyond, as I forced myself to solitude, as I found the times and the spaces, as I spent the time just letting my mind wander and letting go so that I could listen and focus, it began to work. And those times were so beautiful, so amazing. I heard God and felt God's presence more than I ever had before. What a season of listening. What a gift that I experienced God's presence more than I felt I ever had before in those moments of silence and solitude. You see, the good news about solitude is we can let go of that fear of being alone. In solitude, we're not alone. We're with Jesus. We're never alone. And the gift of solitude means that we are alone with Jesus. And there is no one better to be alone with. And so this Practice this discipline became such a critical part of my life. Jesus embraced solitude. We see it in our scripture readings, whether the 40 days in the desert to begin the ministry, or whether getting away from the action on the hillside, Jesus was always going away for prayer, going away for solitude. Stopping, It drove the disciples nuts. It drove the people that were looking for him nuts. They were frustrated. But Jesus, that didn't matter. He knew. And Jesus went to be alone. You see this in the scriptures over and over again in the stories. And Jesus went to be alone to pray. And Jesus went to be alone. And Jesus left the town by himself. If it's something that Jesus practiced, we might want to pay attention for ourselves. If it is good enough for Jesus, it certainly should be something that we make a part of our lives as well. And yet, it's so hard. Recently, we began a a new intentional practice in our home. This was a suggestion from someone for, for me. And so I, you know, we do lots of things as the family, family meals, planned events, planned monthly events, you know, spur of the moment time together. But in today's culture, if you don't make time with others, it often passes you by. And so we start this new practice where I try to take four days a week and put on the calendar uh, 15 minutes with each of my kids, one-on-one, an intentional time. And it's been hard to figure out, but it's been very life-giving. It's been life-giving for me as a human being, a Christ follower, a husband, a father. I know it's been something that my kids look forward to, that they ask for. And in these times, we do all sorts of things. We might go get ice cream, you know, because blue moon's open again, life is good. We might go for a walk in the woods, we might play basketball, we might play a game, we might color. There are all sorts of things we do. And this intentional time has been great. It's altered the relationship for all of us. This is what happens when we're intentional about time. It's not rocket science. It's not some great thing. It's a pretty elementary concept. But it's been transformative. You see, solitude is us reserving this time with Jesus. And if you're a schedule person or you got just a little bit of OCD or some of that in you, you know, you might actually put it in your schedule. But it's literally to schedule time to simply be with Jesus. We struggle to be. So many times, in fact, we act more like human doings than human beings. I know this very well. But solitude reminds us that we are, in fact, human beings. This is a habit, something that should become a habit. In fact, for me, this, of all the disciplines, is certainly in the top three that has changed me the most this embracing of solitude in silence. It's the one where that process of practicing something becoming a habit is the most true for me. And it's interesting as I think about it, it happens all sorts of ways. It happens in mindless times, things when I'm doing mindless tasks like mowing the lawn. I love being on my lawn mower. Kayaking, driving, Sort of. It's intentional times of just stopping and sitting and listening, taking a walk, swimming in the pool, just sitting and enjoying. Sometimes it's about going somewhere to hide. In fact, for me, one of my practices is once a month I schedule a day, a full work day, to be with God. And sure, I pray and read some, but most of this day is spent in solitude, whether indoors or outdoors. I see this as a work day. I recognize that my relationship with Jesus, my ability to listen to Jesus, is so significant to what God has called me to. And I love those days. I crave those days. They're hard to do. They're hard to protect, but they're so important. We've had a joke running in our house for years now that Jesus lives in the hammock. and I have a couple of hammocks now, and so a lot of times my solitude has been just going and sitting, laying in the hammock, just simply being. and it's amazing because again, in those times of listening, I've felt and experienced the presence of God the most in this silence and solitude. So we now say that Jesus lives in the hammock. And over time, it's happened such that I don't always have to be as intentional about the solitude. It has become a bit of a habit, a bit of my life. In fact, if I go a day, if I get too late in the day without solitude, I am grumpy. I am so grumpy. My family knows when I've not had solitude. I'm telling you. They can tell you they know. Like some of us get grumpy when we haven't eaten, or like some of us get grumpy when we're tired or when we're hot or when we're cold. It's like that, that my body has come to know it's been trained to the point where if I don't have it, I know. It's like I talked about that the discipline should become a part of our life where they don't have to be on the to-do list. We don't put brush our teeth, take a shower on our to-do lists. We know intuitively that that's something we need to do. We and others notice when we don't. And for me, this is the place that solitude has come. (coughs) Simply being with God. It is a gift. I want to come to our first scripture reading, which is printed in your insert. It's amazing to me because... I have found in being in solitude, I'm able to do more with less. That taking away that time to be with God has not made me less productive, less energetic, less efficient, but more as Christ fills my cup. And so in our scripture reading in Ecclesiastes, I love this because the first three verses or so, they give us a picture of what solitude looks like. The absence of words that sometimes and I'm guilty, pastoral, you know, vice. That we fill the space with words. That we feel like we have to say something. It's so funny when there's silence in a group. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable. We we don't know what to do with it. But here, the writer of Ecclesiastes gives us a challenge to listen, to let our words be few. And in the second half of this passage, it gives us a little bit of the benefit, the challenge of this. It calls us to commit to this that when we embrace these disciplines, they shouldn't be empty promises. That Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. When we commit to something, we should be diligent in that. You see, solitude's a challenge. Introvert or extrovert. Carving out that time. Sometimes when we're silent, we have to hear and think about the things that we least want to deal with. Sitting and simply listening is hard for us. And while there's challenge to this spiritual discipline, there is great benefit. It provides renewal. It provides rest. It helps us look to this Jesus to hear more clearly, to be present And it's our call to embrace solitude, to embrace silence, to be with the one who loves us. And while it's not easy, for me it has been one of the greatest gifts, one of the most transforming practices, that I don't have to have the radio on. I don't have to always be doing something but that sometimes the best thing I can do is simply be. Be with the one who loves me. Be with the one who died for me. We have the gift of relationship. Today we celebrate the relationship of the moms in our lives. But we also can embrace the greatest relationship we have, which is our relationship with Jesus. And there may be no better way to grow that relationship than to simply stop and be with that Jesus. May we be a people of solitude. May we embrace silence and solitude and the one who loves to be with us more than anyone else. Let us pray. God, we thank you again for the opportunity to worship for our mothers. And for the gift of the disciplines, for the model of Jesus, to be in solitude, to be with his Father. Lord, help us to embrace solitude and silence, to simply be with you, to listen well to your Spirit, to relish our relationship with the Father, to sit in your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we continue in worship.